the help from the Spirit, right? So he's resting in the prayer of the saints and the sufficiency of Christ, that Christ is sufficient to take care of him. Uh, Paul here is reflecting closely Job chapter 13. Let me read this real quick. Job 13, 13. Be quiet and I will speak. We know what happened to Job, right? Lost everything. We have this back and forth with his friends. Satan's testing him. Job 13. Be quiet and I will speak. Let whatever comes happen to me. Job's talking here. And I will put myself at risk and take my own life and take my life in my own hands. Even if he kills me, I will hope in him. I will still defend my way before him. Yes, this will result in my deliverance. For no godless person can appear before him. Pay close attention to my words. Let my declaration ring in your ears. Now then, I have prepared my case. I know that I am right. Paul is referencing Job here, saying, God's going to take care of it. My confidence in him because he will deliver me. My salvation is secure in God. Now note here this relationship between prayer and provision. The importance of prayer is magnified in this verse because Paul is rejoicing and he's confident because of the prayer of the saints in Philippi and the help from the Spirit of Christ. And that reminds me of a scripture that we find in Romans eight twenty six. In the same way, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness because we do not know what to pray for as we should, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with inexpressible groanings. You ever been to that point in your life where you just don't have any words? Like you hurt so bad and you just don't know what to say to God, how to respond to others. We find truth in Scripture that the Spirit in those moments intercede for us on our behalf. He's able to fill the void or our loss of words in those moments. It's incredible. So Paul's confidence here is found as he rejoices in Christ and he relies on Christ. Look at verse 20. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul here shares his goal for the future. Paul is confident that he's going to represent Christ. And his goal is to honor Christ. Whether he lives or he dies, his goal is to honor Christ. I would love to have that confidence every day, knowing that I'm going to represent him well. That's Paul's expectation. That's Paul's hope. That word hope, eager expectation and hope, is a word that could be used by the phrase or could be interpreted by the phrase not to be ashamed or that Christ will be highly honored. we got all this hope here. His hope is that he would not be ashamed. His hope is that Christ would be honored through what? His body. So Paul's not concerned about his place. Paul's not concerned about his position. Paul's not even concerned about his posture. The focus is to honor Christ through his body. And he finds hope, he finds courage in the opportunity for him to honor Christ, to glorify Christ. So we have this 
rejoicing in this reliance on Jesus. And then look at verse 21. For me to live in, is Christ and to die is gain. We have this representation. Paul is representing Christ through his life as he lives on the earth. Notice the, the, the reversal of this word order. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For Paul, living means Christ. For Paul, each breath he takes, he's depending on Christ. And then he reverses living and dying. So I think in a lot of ways in our lives, we think that dying is not gain, right? Like living is gain. Like we gain another breath or we gain another day. But that's not Paul's perspective. Paul gains when he dies. So what about you? Or try to fill in the blank. For me, living is blank. Think about how you would answer that question. Living is torture. Living is a blessing. Living is a struggle. Living is hope. And then you could kind of flip that and fill in the blank. Dying is blank. What is dying to you? I think the majority of our world see dying as a loss. Dying is a negative thing. It's horrible. And that kind of leads us to the question, if we, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain, it leads us to ask the next question, what do you fill your life with? What do you live for? And that's what Paul's saying here. He says, I live for Jesus. And if I die, it's going to be great. Why? Because then I will be with Jesus. That, I mean, that's where um, Paul's focus is all about Jesus. That's his mentality. It's unstoppable. So it doesn't matter. Think about this. Think, it doesn't matter what you do to Paul, where you put Paul, how you treat Paul, what you say about him, because his priority is Jesus. It doesn't, nothing else matters. So whether you kill me or whether I live a little longer, it's all about Jesus. So if I live another day, it's not for me, it's for Jesus. And if I die, it's not for me, it's for Jesus. It's unstoppable. There's nothing anyone can do against that. That reminds me of Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So we have that mentality. It's not me living, it's Jesus living through me. So we have that rejoicing, relying, and representing here in these 18 through 21 section. And then we've got a dilemma. So Paul establishes the truth that he's going to represent Christ through his life. And then he goes into a dilemma here. It, Paul's struggling because he desperately wants to die. Isn't that crazy? I mean, it's crazy to think about. But Paul here, he, he just doesn't want to be here anymore. He wants to be with Jesus. And he says that in verses 20. 223. Now, if I live on in the flesh, that means fruitful work. So there's a purpose behind this. And I don't know which one I should choose, whether to live or to die. I'm torn between the two because I long to depart and be with Christ. And it would be so much better if I wasn't here anymore and I was with Jesus. How many Christians do you think could say that? 
I think, I think if we're honest with each other, a lot of Christians would say no. I, I, I believe that. I believe that there's so many Christians in our society, and I'm not talking about us here in the room, but I'm thinking about just our, the American culture and the American way of life. It's not better to depart. They want to get all they can here, right? We've got that consumer mentality. But Paul here longs to depart and be with Christ. His dilemma here, he was torn. D- does anyone have a different word there in verse 23? Another translation could be pressured. There's, and here, this word has a variety of uses in texts and, and literature. Uh, pressure of crowds. He's torn between the two. He's feeling pressure of a crowd. The controlling power of a fever. Anyone get a fever? Hopefully no one has a fever right now, because that could mean bad things. But that fever just controls you. It consumes you, right? Paul here is torn between the two, or even a fear, or being compelled by love. we got these ideas that Paul's expressing. But his desire is to be with Jesus. So let me ask another question, and one that we're not going to answer. But what do you believe what happens to you after you die? I mean, history has a lot of explanations about, like, where do you go after you die? Do you go to a temporary holding place? Do you go straight to heaven and to Christ's presence? Do you go to purgatory and wait for somebody to purchase your way out? I mean, there's, there's a lot of interpretation through the centuries about what happens to your soul after you die. What does Paul say? I long to depart and what? Be with Christ. So does Paul believe in soul sleep? Do you know what that means? Soul sleep? It's an idea that when you die, your soul goes to sleep until Jesus comes back, and then you will be, you're just taking a nap, pretty much, until Jesus returns. Does Paul believe in that? He says, I long to depart and be with Christ. Is Paul already with Christ? I mean, we believe that, Paul, that Jesus dwells in us, right? And he's with us always. But there is a difference between Christ with us now and Christ with us in the life to come, in eternal life. So what, what's the difference? What's going to change with death? I mean, the presence, right? I mean, we just don't understand now. We don't comprehend. But all that will change at the point of death. So notice Paul's interpretation or perspective here about why he's torn, because he desperately wants to be fully in the presence of Christ. That word depart, verse 23, I long to depart and be with Christ. That word, it's a nautical term. It's a term that describes a ship that is setting loose of its mooring. And the meaning behind that is that death is not the enemy. It's a vessel to transport you to your destination. And a lot of us fear death. And death is nothing to be afraid of. It's just the means which we enter into the presence of God. Uh, a good illustration of that is a couple of years, we were talking about this today. A couple of years ago, 
um, my family took it was a it was a big anniversary for the couples in our family so we took a trip as a large family unit to Hawaii and uh, Rach and I and the kids arrived we landed on the island at night and uh, I can't even remember we went to Kauai that was the island we went to and so we landed at night we rented a car and we drove like an hour to our destination in windy hilly roads and it was just pitch black you couldn't see anything it was awful because we were tired and we just wanted to find a bed so it was like let's stay awake to get to the room to go to sleep pitch black dark so we do we get to sleep we wake up the next morning and when we wake up the next morning we were just floored by the incredible beauty around us and the truth was that we had driven through it for an hour the night before and we couldn't see it but all of a sudden the light was on and we saw everything and it was beautiful I mean that's death for us I mean we're navigating this road to find the destination that is all around us but we just can't see it yet but once we do it's incredible and that beauty will just knock us to the floor we can talk about my belief how scripture interprets heaven we can get to that another time, but I think that's an incredible discussion to have because I think we're, it could be deceptive and our interpretation may be a little off uh, just because of our, what our culture says. Anyway, verse 24. That's a topic for another day. Verse 24. How much time do I have? Oh, man. Let's go faster. There's no meetings tonight, so we can just go however long we want, right? Verse 24. But to remain in the flesh, so Paul wants to go to heaven, he wants to die, he wants to depart and be with Christ, but his decision is made. Verses 24 through 26, and an explanation on why he made the decision. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. Have you ever done something for somebody that had no benefit for you whatsoever? And it was just for somebody else. Paul's speaking here. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. It's necessary for Paul to remain for the time being. Not for himself, but for other people. Even in his situation that's less than ideal. Which leads me to ask a question. A question that me personally, I don't like someone else to ask me. Is it necessary for you to remain where you are right now? And why? I think that's a good question to ask. Especially when we're in a in a situation that we don't want to be in. Maybe we're going through a rough time in our life. We can look at our culture and look at the season of life that we're in. We're all frustrated with the wearing masks and dealing with illnesses. But there's a reason we're in this position. And we need to look outside of ourselves and look to see what God is doing around us and know that there's a reason for us to remain. It's necessary and we just need to answer the question, why? Paul here is saying, I am staying to serve you. Since I'm persuaded of this, I know that I will remain and continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So why is Paul staying? Paul's staying so others can grow closer to Jesus. Paul's staying so the gospel may advance even further. So that because of my coming to you again, your boasting in Christ may abound. 
I mean, the truth is, and sometimes we get sidetracked, again, by the, our culture, and we forget about our purpose, but life is about fruitful work. And that's what Paul's focus was, not on his own fruitful work, but the work of Christ in and around him to glorify God. And the truth is, it's necessary for us to be here for a reason. Maybe we're called to help someone else grow in the faith. Maybe we're called to advance the gospel, to make a difference in the world around us. To help others find joy in Jesus. But we have to remember, whatever situation that we're in, whatever struggle we're facing, it's all about the glory of God. And asking how can God receive the glory in our life. There's a prayer here, and I'll close with this. St. Patrick, he was a man who took the gospel uh, to Ireland. He was declared a saint in the 5th century. He represented Christ, relied on Jesus and all that he did. And this is his prayer that is expressed often uh, throughout the centuries. And it's just, it's incredible prayer for us to store in our minds. It goes, As I arise today, may the strength of God pilot me. You might have heard this. The power of God uphold me. The wisdom of God guide me. May the eye of God look before me. May the ear of God hear me. May the word of God speak for me. May the hand of God protect me. May the way of God lie before me. The shield of God defend me, and the host of God save me. May Christ shield me today. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me. Christ on my right. Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down. And Christ when I sit. Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me. Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me. Christ in every eye that sees me. Christ in every ear that hears me. What a prayer. That no matter where we go, what we do, God will guide us and protect us. And Christ is with us, but not only that, that Christ shines through us. That is what Paul is trying to communicate here in this passage. Regardless of my situation, regardless of my struggle, may Christ be glorified. For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for your word and that reminder from Paul that even in the midst of great struggle, you have a purpose and you have a plan. And our task as your followers is just to trust in you, to live for you, and to glorify you. So, Father, I pray that as we continue in this study, and Father, as we engage in the world in our daily lives, that you would remind us that we're here for a reason, to advance the gospel. 
to grow closer to you and to make an impact on our world. So, Father, give us that attitude of Paul who took the attitude of Christ to forget about self and focus on you and your glory. So, Father, live through us. Walk with us and protect us. In your son's name we pray. Amen.